0: Today on Ravelin's Fraud Academy podcast, we have David Birch, Director at Consult Hyperion and author, advisor and commentator in the fintech industry. When he's not running Consult Hyperion, a consultancy business he founded in 1986, he can be found speaking at industry events or moderating panel talks with fintech power players. Birch was recently named as one of the top ten most influential voices in banking by the financial brand. In this podcast we'll be discussing how retailers can stay ahead of emerging trends and his thoughts on using machine learning to predict transactional fraud. Hi David, thank you very much for being here on our podcast, it's great to have you. You're welcome. So, we know that Consult Hyperion uh, recently released the Life 5 predictions for 2018, so it would be great to talk to you a bit more about your insights with a specific focus on the retail industry. Sure. So talking about retail and um, the trends that you highlighted, what should a retailer do to stay ahead of emerging trends? I know you mentioned conversational transactions, buying through a voice and open banking.
1: Well, I mean, if we just just run through them quickly, just to give people the background. So just just so they know, like, so for the last few years, every year, Consult Hyperion has looked at the projects that we're working on and the fun stuff that's going on. We have a lot going on in our lab that you don't see. It's sort of under the radar. And then we try to pick out sort of what are the five areas we think clients should be interested in for the coming year that they may not focus on. So this year, um, we decided to go with sort of four mainstream and one a little bit out of left field, which I'll come back to in a minute. So if we just go with the mainstream ones to begin with. So there's obviously open banking. And actually, I think it, open banking is a really big deal for retailers. I mean, even if they haven't really taken on board uh, the impact. We did a survey at the end of last year of, of retailers, and I think you know more than 90% said they wanted to use open banking, m- mainly for, for trying to reduce the cost of accepting cars. But... But also there's a lot to do with you know, using customer data to reduce fraud, to do special offers, to make promotions at point of sale and so on. So it hasn't really sunk in yet, I don't think. But I think open banking is good news for retailers if they take advantage of it. thought There's a very good conference in Germany every year called Merchant Payment Ecosystem. And last year, Ron Khalifa, who is vice chairman of WorldPay, made a really, really good presentation. And he said, in this era, moving towards open banking, the traditional acquirers have got to become what he called MSPs, Merchant Service Providers. It isn't just about payments anymore. It's about data. It's about fraud management. It's about analysis. It's about wisdom. It's about insight. And I think open banking really feeds into that. So open banking is the first one. The second one, uh, which, which I feel will see a lot of activity this year, is what we've taken to calling conversational commerce. So. And, and I, you know, I was a negative about this before. I thought that the world of apps would take a lot longer to be disruptive. You know, I'm old, I like using apps, so it suits me to use. But actually, I've noticed more and more when I interact with, with companies online, um, I've started to really prefer using chat because I can't remember stuff. <laughs> it's like, you know, you chat with somebody, it might be a robot, I don't know, you chat with, like, how do I do this setting on my phone? Why can't I turn this thing off on my phone? And they tell you. And like if it's on the phone, as soon as I hung up, I'd forget it, you know. Whereas with chat, you've got a little transcript, and you can spell things, and you can think about it. So, so I'm I'm a convert to chat. Now, when you add real commerce to that chat channel, so, as, as happened the other day, in fact, I, I'm, I'm talking to, uh, you know, a company online, and I agree, okay, yes, I do, actually, I do want that. So I'll give you uh, the extra 99 pounds. Instead of then logging out, logging into a bank application, putting in their account details and this sort of thing, and sending it over, if you're in the chat channel, you can just do send 99 pounds or, or something. Um, you can see why people will like that. You can see why, You can see why stuff will begin to move into that chat channel. You find something you're interested in on Facebook, you start chatting to the person, you say, actually, yeah, I would like that ceramic monkey, and and you just send them the money and it's just part of the conversation. But the reason why that's so significant now is because the step from conversational commerce in chat channels to conversational commerce in voice channels is a very small step. So, if, if, I, if I can get you to interact with me in chat, taking that step to voice is really quite a small step. And, and you see what, I mean, you don't have to be a genius to see where voice is going at the moment with Amazon and Google and people like that. So, I think you know, chat's really important because it's good and customers like it, but it's strategically important because it's a stepping stone towards voice. It's a small step from typing oh, um, actually, I want the largest ceramic monkey, here's the extra 23 pounds. And actually saying, oh, can I have the largest ceramic monkey, I'm um, happy to pay the 23 pounds. And so this is why the conversational commerce interests me so much. The third thing that we thought is, is what my guys, the, the internet of cars. So we're all very into the internet of things, and we can all see the internet of things is going to be huge, and this idea that things will pay other things, I can sort of see that, but where does it start? You know, and actually, you know, you see a lot of activity in the auto space because cars are a good place to, start. I mean, apart from anything else, they have lots of chips in them and they have communications and they have power. Um, so cars, you can see this sort of, and, and we worked on a couple of projects last year looking at um, things which sound like crazy, like uh, cars that are bidding for parking places and the winning car gets the parking place. And that sort of stuff sounds a bit odd, but it, I think it really isn't. So, cars as a place to begin playing with some of these IoT concepts. And you, you see people like Visa and so on, they're putting a lot of effort into the sort of connected car stuff. So we think this year some more of that will grow up I mean mainstream. Now, a lot of the in-car stuff now, I actually think is quite clunky. Like I use one of the petrol companies, you know, you, you, you sit in the car and pay for the petrol. And it was a bit of faffing about, and but now you can imagine that. Well, suppose that was done using chat instead, and you're using instant payments and blah blah blah. So cars are a good place to begin these kind of experiments. I think. Uh, I mean, I was surprised when I went to CES last time. Uh, you know, the Consumer Electronics Show. I was, and maybe it's just America and America's obsessed with cars, but I was amazed at the amount of floor space given over to connected car stuff. You know. I was also quite amazed at the floor space given over to things for pets as well, and they had Fitbits for dogs and things like that. Um, so, those are the first three, but the big one we think um, is artificial intelligence. So, artificial intelligence is heading towards the mainstream for the things we're interested in payments, financial services, probably quicker than some of us would have thought. Because you, know, you would have thought, well, okay, okay, a computer can win at backgammon, but so what? What does that mean for me getting a mortgage and that sort of thing? Well, it looks like that gap is closing quicker than we thought. So if you look at our financial services customers, if you take a look at what they're spending money on in this space, a lot of the AI spending right now is going into machine learning, um, and a lot of that machine learning is very specifically for fraud detection. So why is that? Well, it's because... Machine learning is very good where you have these vast pools of data, banks have vast pools of data, it's very good if you can narrow the domain space and get it working on a specific problem, uh, spotting fraud plans on is a very specific problem, as, as you guys well know, so you have this like big drive towards AI, but in the typical financial institution right now what does that mean, like you're told we need to do something in AI, that actually translates into we're going to do something in machine learning, and we're going to do something in machine learning translates into we're going to do something about fraud. So you can see it all taking off now. But when you look a little bit further downstream, AI becomes the very dominant uh, thread, if you like, in that conversation. It's it's very hard to see where that's going to go because in a relatively short time, if if all of these things come true, so if you're using a a chat channel to, to talk to some company online, and the transactions are being executed directly through open banking, through the bank accounts and stuff like that. And, you know, you, you know, like I'm old, I'll sign up to the Saga AI, and the Saga AI is monitoring all my transactions and telling you where I could get a better deal on insurance, or these utility guys are having a laugh. Or That's a very different world, and it's not that far away. For the people that we work for, which tend to be the larger organizations, um, this is gonna take some adjustments. So, so if you just take banks as the obvious example, I mean, it, I, if a bank wants to sell me some mortgage or something, you know, they have adverts on the television, baffling things with horses mm-hmm. and astronauts and stuff that literally nobody understands what any of this has got to do with banking, um, but it, it must work, otherwise they wouldn't, they wouldn't do it. But how the bank AI is going to sell a mortgage to my AI, I think is a very unexplored, territory. So AI comes to dominate in the longer term, and it's not obvious at this time quite how that's going to pan out. So that's actually quite exciting for the tech side. So those are the four sort of mainstream things. And the one that uh, I took out of left field actually, a lot of people would have been reading about you know cryptocurrencies and Bitcoin and tokens and ICOs, initial coin offerings, and that's all mad and everyone's going to go to jail, and the roof's going to fall, and it is, these are thin, opaque markets, subject to all sorts of manipulation, yes, agreed, and it's terrible, and people should and will go to jail for all of that. But the other side of that, when we get a regulated cryptography market, a regulated token marketplace, regulated ICOs, we think those might be bigger than people are giving them credit for at the moment. There are lots of intellectual reasons for thinking that um, instruments that can trade without clearing and settlement, because it's instant on the shared ledgers, are much more efficient markets than conventional equity and debt markets. So the idea that Tesco might issue Tesco money, not as a, an entry in a database done in the conventional way, but as an ICO which is traded out across open markets, which is a claim on future products and services from mm. Tesco, is, is really not so crazy. So, four mainstream predictions. The crazy one that I think we're, you know, we have some insight on, and we're prepared to stand behind that, is don't, don't dismiss the token and ICO stuff as just crazy people. Mm. Because the regulated version of that market could be huge.
0: So just touching up upon um, buying through voice, whether right. you're using a virtual assistant um, and you're asking for a specific product, how does that virtual assistant pick the retailer? So if I'm asking um, Amazon Alexa or Google Home to buy me a new, a new set of dining table plates, how does that AI assistant pick the retailer when it goes to, to buy it for you?
1: Well, I think that you know, there are two obvious mechanisms you could see for that. So one is auctioning. So, so right now, if, if you pull up your Facebook page and they know you've been looking at adverts for plates, your Facebook page will be stuffed full of adverts for plates. But those adverts get there through auction systems, don't they? So, so when you pull up the page, Facebook goes out to the advertisers and says, oh, I've got someone here who's interested in plates, and they're young and they're probably going to spend some money and this sort of thing. And then those advertising slots are auctioned and that comes in your fi- and that takes, uh, whatever, 20 milliseconds or something. Um, well, why wouldn't it be like that for the actual plates, which is, you know, you say, well, I want to buy some plates and the system, let's pretend it's not Amazon for the moment, you say, I want to buy some plates and the system goes out and says, okay, well, I know the plates you were looking at were these, I don't know you look like a Royal Dawkins sort of, you know, <laughs> top-end kind of thing. Um, who's got these plates, and how much are they going to sell them for? And again, this all get done in milliseconds, and so you'll say, buy the plates, and back will come uh, you know, uh, someone who's prepared to supply them at that price and in that, that time scale. The other possibility, of course, is that because, I mean, let's imagine it's in Google, I'm talking to Google, so Google knows everything. Right? It even knows where I am because of my phone, it knows what I've been looking at, it knows what I bought before, it knows what I was searching for, I mean that's a massive amount of data. So it can make, I think, a pretty accurate guess and come back to you and say, oh, well I've got the Royal Dalton uh, commemorative Harry and Meghan uh, set available for £19.99, £19. is that the one you want? And 99 times out of 100 it will be right. And you'll say, okay. I mean, I'm always amazed with Amazon A, you know, you log into Amazon, it says, oh, because you bought this, you might be interested in that. It's staggeringly correct. Yes. Because I've been on Amazon for yonks and so I waste tons of money on it, so. If you have the right data, can you make those guesses accurate enough that it just goes seamlessly into the background? I think the answer to that is actually probably yes. Most people, most of the time, are not buying things which are that, Complicated, you know what I
0: mean? So, in terms of PSD2 and retailers, mm-hmm. how should retailers be staying secure and how should they keep their customers secure? Actually, I'm not
1: sure that's much of a problem for retailers anymore because if you look at the technology that's out there, you know, face recognition, and it, so, so basically, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm viewing something at the retailer, the retailer knows that I've logged in using my face, it's probably Dave. Looks like Dave's phone. It's in the places where Dave usually is. This is the sort of thing Dave usually looks at. It's probably Dave, you know. I mean, I'm not launching nuclear missiles. I'm buying shoes, right? Oh. So, so actually, I'm not sure that's as much of a problem as people think. I think. I mean, I, you're going to say I'm looking at this from too technological a perspective, and that's reasonable. I mean, but I think from our perspective, this is a largely solved problem. We have the technologies. We know what to do with them. Given the appropriate risk analysis, we know what to put in place to help us. I, I'm actually quite optimistic about that side of things. Yeah.
0: And just touching back to when uh, you mentioned AI as the kind of the game changer for 2018, how are you how are you seeing this being implemented? Is in are you are you seeing um, consumers make purchases with AI bots, or are you kind of actively noticing this in the industry?
1: I think you're touching on something really important there. So, when we talk about bots and things and these chat, we're sort of imagining that I'm a person and I'm using the chat channel to do conversational commerce with a bot, right? We've shut down the call center in you know, some overseas place and we've replaced the call center with a PC and now I'm talking to the PC and But, um, and in fact, I wrote a piece on Medium about this which I'm rather proud of the customers will have bots too. They don't buy now, but they will have. So the commerce is like, you've got this AI-assisted retail platform that's trying to get, but the customer will have an AI-assisted platform too, which is helping them get the best deals and the stuff that's right for them and making sure they switch to the right energy supplier and they're using the right petrol for their car, you know, and and all that sort of thing. And uh, that's kind of interplay is unbelievably fascinating, like how that whole thing's going to sort of emerge. So I think the customer side of things, it, it's not as one-sided as people think, like you're gonna have these giant corporations with these super powerful AIs and we're just gonna be at their mercy because we're gonna have AIs too. So I, I guess I'm more, I'm more of a techno-optimist on that sort of thing.
0: You identified AI to predict transactional fraud in your Life 5 predictions. What have you seen in terms of implementation?
1: The machine learning approach, it's a very voracious consumer of data, so if you've got the data, like if you're one of the big players, you're one of the big issuers, one of the big acquire if you've got the data, machine learning is the way forward at the moment. And because the, because the machine learning systems are very good at spotting these odd correlations that we, we wouldn't notice in these things, they're very good at spotting these little patterns, you know, not just the trivial things like what time the fraudster's coming out or what, kind, what goods they're hitting or how these waves go, but weird things we never even thought about, like the degree of charge in the mobile phone and all that sort of thing. Machine learning is really good at that stuff, and that's why um, it's being deployed in this fraud space at the moment. In the future, of course, it will go out into all sorts of areas, and the kind of things that you're thinking about, which is which is taking that machine learning out into helping uh, customer service and, yes of course that, that but i think you know right now to be honest fraud is a really big focus because it's an immediate roi
0: well thank you so much that covers kind of everything that we want to speak about is there anything you'd like to add no no, that was
1: fun i hope it um, i hope it all comes out okay
0: yes perfect thank you